I was getting, I was getting a lot of no letters, and I kept some of the letters because it was like motivation for me. I was young in my coaching career. I did know that those guys I was coaching, this was their one opportunity. If you really want the players to like you, just make them better. If I want to keep playing this game, you know, as a job, I, I have to continue to get better at that. You have to figure out a way to carve out some value that you have that you can bring not only to your team, but also your profession. It's really good information, and I pick up little nuggets all the time. For me, it's all about confidence, man. You, you have to have confidence to be a shooter, to be uh, a basketball player in general, and to have success. You, you, it's all about confidence. If they walk a mile in my shoes, then they can ball like I do. But my game different, not the same with it. I travel now, y'all just change, pivot. Shooters, welcome into a new year and a new episode here on the Shooter Such Podcast. We're excited to have you along for the journey. We're excited for 2022. Um, a lot more content coming your guys' way as we continue to try to grow this game of basketball in the state of Iowa, one story at a time, and we appreciate you being along for the ride. Um, with that, any comments or feedback, insight, topics, ideas, anything, we'll take, we'll take it all. So let us know. Reach out to us. Um, follow us on Twitter, DM us, whatever works best for you. Uh, let us know because we want to hear from you. You're a big reason on why we do this. With that, let's move into today's episode. And we absolutely struck gold with this episode. Uh, we bring on old friend um, and now head boys basketball coach at Nevada, Tyler Struck. We talk about growing up in Algona and the, the rough streets that were um, playing some pickup games at Central Park uh, in the middle of town. Uh, and then ultimately uh, going to UNI where uh, Tyler and Adam cross paths um, with Tyler's time on staff there at UNI. And so a lot of fun stories. We talk about his success and time out in Nebraska coaching before coming back to Iowa to coach at Nevada. And so this one's good. This one's a lot of fun. Um, you don't want to miss this and be the one that struck out. Here we go. Shooter shoot. Well, Coach Struck, welcome to the Shooter's Touch. Uh, thank you guys for having me. I'm Really excited to be on, and I've uh, been excited. Ever. I've, I've been listening to the podcast as much as I can, and uh, obviously knowing you two before you were these famous podcasters. I've uh, been, been waiting for my turn to get on, so I, I, pre I appreciate the invite. Yeah, no, absolutely. We're excited to have you. We've obviously chatted with you a little bit once you came back to Iowa um, and, and got your position up there at Nevada, which we'll get to, and we'll get to that timeline a little bit. Um, we're excited about this episode because, like you said, we've known each other for a long time. Um, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I'm sure a few little stories will come up from, from back, obviously, hometown um, from Algona. Uh, that's where we connect. And then ultimately, Adam, uh, while you guys were at UNI. And so so excited about that. And uh, we'll get into that here. Um, but we got to know. So and this will obviously make sense for me, obviously, knowing you growing up. What, uh, what role did uh, sports play uh, in your childhood growing up? I mean, obviously it was, it, it, it was my childhood growing up, you know, um, you know, playing everything, you know, ha having a dad who was a coach, um, you know, taking me different things, but um, watching those games, doing those things, you know, it, it's bowl season now, you know, I remember watching the bowl games in my basement with the fireplace going with dad, you know, when I was five, six years old, um, you know, obviously going to Garrigan games, going to Algona games, going to, to pretty much anything sports related. Um, I, I always talk to our kids, I, you know, obviously when I was a coach and a, teacher 
you know, we, when you kind of talk to the kids before classes and things, and I always want to know what they're involved in. And obviously as a coach, I know a little more of the athletic side. And I always tell them, you know, man, I was in choir and I was in, you know, musicals and I was in, I was in all that kind of stuff. And, and I loved, I loved band. I loved all that. I was like, man, I was actually probably better than that than sports, but I'm like, but, but obviously sports is what I do for my life. Sports has always been my life, you know, and it's a, uh, it's been something I've known I've wanted to be a part of um, as an athlete, as a coach, all those things uh, ever since I was big enough to know that um, I was going to get to choose what I did someday. So uh, clearly like it, it's, as I'm sure a lot of guys on your podcast say, um, it's been something that I've, I've always been a part of and always wanted to be a part of. Yeah. And you mentioned obviously being around it from a young age has a huge impact on us. Um, I think too, you know, small town, uh, is another thing too, where, you know, they obviously are going to Garrigan game or something where, mm-hmm. you know, as they say, the whole town's coming to. And so, you know, growing up, going to those and looking forward to it, it it's kind of all the motivation you need to get out in the driveway or head up central park and, and try to catch a game. Um, and so it, it, that's something that, you know, gets you going, gets the fire lit up underneath you. But what, who are some coaches that impacted you? Maybe um, obviously at the high school level, it seems like forever ago, but even younger to kind of really kind of fuel that fire. Um, yeah, you know, obviously I was blessed to have a lot of great coaches. Um, you know, I, I clearly said, you know, my dad obviously was my first coach, you know, he's, he's still my coach. Um, you know, he's, he's breaking down games that he's watching in Omaha on YouTube, you know, that we play, he's calling me and telling me things I do. So clearly like starting with dad, um, he, you know, he was a huge influence. Um, but yeah, like you said, you know, you have a bunch of them in high school, but it's even before that, you know, it's those middle school coaches, you know, it's Mike Matuska and Dave Whelan as our middle school football coaches, you know, showing us different things. And, um, you know, actually, Miss Matuska was one of the first um, people that ever said that, you know, it viewed me as a coach. He's like, you know, do you ever want to coach? Do you want to be that coach, you know, when you're older? And, um, you know, then obviously you get into high school. Coach Wadley, um, uh, you know, football coach came in when we were like middle school, maybe a little younger. And, uh, my dad was actually doing games on the radio then with Scott France um, for KLGA. Oh, so, you know, I went to all those games and got to watch them. And um, so seeing coach from that aspect and then getting to play for him. Um, and Wiley will be the first one to tell you that me and him didn't always probably see eye to eye on my career itself and maybe some things that we did. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I respected him. I played hard for him and um, everyone played hard for him. And, and I think that that's something that um, not only that, the, the fact that I still call him Coach Wadley. You know, and uh, it's, I, I'll never call him anything other than that because that, that term means so much to me um, growing up, you know, to be a coach, I think it's so important. So, um, you know, he was a big one. Um, like I said, I had little ones along the way. I mean, I remember Charlie Scoba, a guy that, uh, you know, coaches some freshman basketball, uh, getting up at six in the morning, you know, coaching us those. You know, I, like I said, I had a ton all the way through. Um, but, you know, coach really had a big impact on me, obviously, at the high school level. Um, and, and then again, which I'm sure we'll talk about with me and Vita at some point in this, you know, then obviously Coach McDermott, um, you know, kind of taking that to a whole other level um, when you get to that collegiate level and some of those things. But um, like I said, I was really blessed. I, I had a lot of great coaches. I had a lot of, you know, John Bartolo, Greg Allers, you know, in track. I, I, I was pretty fortunate with the coaches I had um, all growing up and then obviously um, throughout my time at Garrigan. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'll add to that too. You played with, uh, you played with some pretty good athletes at your time at Gary again, um, on, on all fields for that, for that matter. Um, you had a chance to play with Brad, right? What, did you yep. overlap with Brad? Um, yeah, he was a great, yeah, great below me. So played uh, baseball with him the couple years I played baseball, obviously played basketball with him, you know, cause like I said, great below and yeah. he started every game from his freshman year. Well, 
almost every game when a couple major league scouts had to watch him pitch. And so one of our games got snowed out. So he had to miss that. So he didn't start one game because I remember the major league scouts didn't want to wait. So he had to go see them. But yeah, so I obviously, you know, all of my high school games I played with him um, in basketball and even played football with him a year or two. I mean, from a state's perspective, athlete-wise, I mean, so Brad Nelson, obviously, we got to drop the last name. I'm sure people maybe could have connected those dots. But from an athlete standpoint, I mean, unbelievable, right? Like top 10 from our state oh, or what? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, some of those home run records and things that he broke in baseball, you know, I mean, he hit 480-something as an eighth grader, you know, hitting six, hitting 600-plus his sophomore year. I mean, just ridiculous numbers. And uh, obviously, baseball was a sport. Like I said, the dude played for four years and basketball started, dropped 63 the night that we lost or that we beat um, St. Ed's in seven overtimes my senior year. You know, I mean, I mean, they, I mean, he could flat out play basketball and how he was doing that just to stay in shape in the winter, you know. So um, and if his dad could have put a whole baseball field in the barn instead of just a batting cage, he might not have been able to play in the winter. You know, so I mean, he yeah, but unbelievable athlete could do anything. Said even his football run, he only played a couple of years. Um, and even in that, I mean, could throw the ball a mile, played middle linebacker. I mean, just just an unbelievable talent um, and a cool, a cool kid to get to spend a lot of your high school with and get to play with. Yeah, it always, uh, um, obviously Brad, but not only, you know, having great athletes, but guys in your neighborhood too, it makes a huge difference. Um, you know, I mentioned it earlier, but just a community that kind of rallies around sports um, and kind of, you know, gets behind those players and encourages them, you know, from from the Brad Nelsons, everybody else. Um, it's something cool about the community. Um, I would assume something that in your program too at Nevada <laughs> right now that, uh, you know, you're trying to build a culture and, you know, really trying to create that buy-in as well. Is that correct? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and like you said, it, it's funny in some of those small towns, you know, in the, you know, whatever letter of the alphabet that V ended up in an AGWSR and, you know, obviously, you know, and I'm going with, with the two schools and, um, but, you know, still being a small town, you know, 5,000 people, you know, those, those are things that, like you said, that people are going to the games. People want to know how the kids are doing. Um, and Nevada has some that we have some really good community support, but um, you're right. That culture has been a little different. You know, there, there's, you know, it's a little bigger town than, um, than Algona, but it's, it's closer to Ames. So it's more of a better community. You know, I know there's many things you have, you have people that are here and, you know, I can't tell you how many people in the town, oh yeah, well, my kids go to this school or that school. And it's like, well, they should go to Nevada. We're all in Nevada. You know, and it's just, it's that little bit different, you know, when you're around the Metro, like you guys are now down around that Des Moines, Ankeny area. Um, but it, it is something that it's, it's a little more difficult, but I will say that um, the support that you get from the community members has been good. And now it's starting to bleed in a little more. Um, obviously it's this shooters touch podcast. It's a basketball podcast, but you know as well as I do that it, nothing like a good Friday night in the fall, you know, can help bring a town together. And our high school football team had the best season they've probably ever had this year. Um, and, and it was fun to it was fun to see that. And I think another, uh, not that there's a lot of positives that come out of COVID, but another positive of people not being in the gym last year is I think people are excited to get back into a gym. You know, people are excited to be back and watching high school athletics. Um, and so I, I'm starting to see that. We're starting to see those younger kids in the gym. I'm starting to be around them a little more. And um, I think a big portion of that too, is that I've been pretty vocal. Obviously you never say never in this profession or with your family or different things, but uh, you know, this is our home. You know, we've, we've spent a ton of money putting a deck in a above ground pool in our backyard. We've redone our basement. We've like, I'm like, we're, I can't afford to live anywhere. Now. Like we, we've done too much to the house. Like we're not going anywhere. So, it, you know, when, when you know that and, 
obviously not as young as I used to be, but when you have young kids in the school system and you're talking about being here for a long time, I think that helps build that culture too. You know, you see those fifth and sixth graders and they start looking around and saying, oh yeah, that guy's going to coach me or he coached my older brother and he's going to coach me too. And um, I think that that's been something that we've tried to really push for here in the Bay. And I'm starting, I think, to see that grassroots happen in both football and basketball. I think I, uh, I think I caught the article with the hire that said something about struck gold. Does that sound, uh, does that sound right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it, it, it's, I mean, I mean, obviously I have more of a face for radio, but my last name works for everything. My last name's real good, man. You can use that. In um, yeah. You know, and, and they were excited, you know, I, and this is a place that I was, ex I was excited to be at, you know, um, obviously I had a really good um, coaching opportunity down in Nebraska. Um, but it was something that for our family, we wanted to get back this way a little bit. Um, my wife got a good opportunity being uh, Ames High's athletic um, trainer and just decided, you know, that this is something where we want to be. And, and, I, and I, I think I saw a lot of similarities in it. I'm going up on a lot of similarities in that town where I think that you could build something here in Nevada. Um, and it's, it, yeah, we're, we're, we were excited to be here. And um, luckily they were excited <laughs> to have me. So they seemed pretty excited about the fact that I was going to be here. So I, I, I was happy with that. I think we I think we did play Nevada a couple times in football when I was in school and we always looked forward to that game as you mentioned uh, obviously not the football powerhouse and so it was always a fun one yeah absolutely absolutely yeah there it was um like I said there was some uh my dad actually had a has a friend who lived here uh, for years and his uh um grandkids are the reworts girls who both had really good volleyball and basketball careers um and Casey's actually playing at uh Drake right now playing volleyball but they um so yeah, dad always kind of knew a little bit. So when I went to interview, he called him and asked him and he's like, well, you know, the, the, the if he was taking the football job, I'd be a little more curious, but man, that's turning around now. It's starting to look good. And he goes in the basketball jobs. I think it's a good job. He goes, I think it's a place to be. And, um, you know, and like you said, Clyde, I think, you know, maybe five, 10 years ago, that might not have been the case, but, um, you know, even the people around here, I think they're starting to see the tides turn a little bit. Um, and it's a young coach, coach Kleeman, like myself or younger, um, I got to stop using young because we're not young anymore. <laughs> but a younger coach, even myself, you know, with young kids in the system, I, I think that people are starting to see that, that we're starting to get some of that momentum there. And I'm excited about what that looks like. I've actually been in my head trying to think of all the, um, all the newspaper headlines that struck could be. And yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, uh, there are quite a few. So no, no, no shortage probably for those newspaper. Yeah. Um, we just got to stay away from like struck out struck struck three yeah. something like that we we got to stay yeah. on the positive ones and then we'll probably be all right which it sounds like you are so keep going with that um well hey um as brian mentioned uh you know we first crossed paths uh at you and i uh when i first got there in 03 um you and uh tommy knight i believe yep. were the veteran managers on the mm -hmm. team um, so walk me through that. How did, uh, how did that come about? How did you get on the, um, on the squad there? And, um, you know, what was that, uh, what was that like? And how did that help you, um, in the coaching, uh, when you're obviously coaching right now? Um, yeah, you know, so, uh, you know, I, I, I got into it. I, like I said, um, I love playing sports. I love being a part of that, but I even approached when I played sports as a coach, I, I was, I was not the most athletic um, you know, I wasn't a walking bucket like Brian Claude, you know, and I, and I, I didn't have God's greatest jump shot like Adam V. Um, like I, I had to work, I had to work at some things, you know, and so, um, but I could always see the game. I always understood the game. I, I always could find those different things. So it was something I knew I always wanted to do. Um, so, you know, I, I actually, the year before I started working at UNI, 
um, got an, was an assistant coach at NU High where my cousin Jake played. Um, so I obviously knew some people there. So, no, so I'm 20 years old and I, I end up getting a JV basketball job there for a year. Um, and, and I knew that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to learn. Um, and one of the pieces of advice I got from a professor there, uh, Professor Micmac, um, said, you know, said, you know, it, it, the great thing you can do in college is work camps. So you can find these camps, you can go, they always want young guys to go that, you know, work, work a week long, get a couple hundred bucks, you know, they'll, they'll feed you lunch and dinner. So I started to work some camps. And the first one I worked was you and I is obviously being in Cedar Falls and um, got a hold of uh, probably coach Jacobson or coach Smith at the time um, and to ask to work their camp. And uh, so I go, and that was actually the first one I worked that summer. I ended up working Wisconsin to Marquette as well um, that year, but I go to work you and I's camp and, they're splitting up teams. And I was one of the few non-players or non like you and I staff members that was actually working that camp. Um, so I'm working a fifth and sixth grade basket, doing some stations. And then they split up, you know, and you get teams for those things. And I had a kid on my team by the name of Doug McDermott. So I, I'm coaching and, you know, wouldn't you know it, you know, in between max golf games that he probably had going on that day, anytime he was at camp, that's the basket he was watching. Cause obviously his kid was playing on that team came up to me afterwards and said, man, you know, a lot of energy. Like I, I, you know, I watched, I enjoyed watching coach my son, you know, would you have any interest in maybe being a manager, maybe helping us out, you know, at the college level. And again, I, I'm a kid who grew up in the driveway making baskets of somebody else. Cause I'm Tyler struck coaching that kid to go to the NCAA tournament. And like, I, I mean, I could probably hang out with an NCAA basketball team for a little bit. Uh, so, you know, it took the offer and, and um, I'll never forget Mac telling me you can do as much or as little as you want. And that was a mistake on his part because then saw me from that moment on for the next three years, basically every day, um, you know, 10, 12, 14 hours a day. So, um, yeah, so it was just that, I guess that drive, that knowledge to just want to be around and learn. And, and, and like I said, I got lucky. You know, he, he happened to watch my hoop a lot that day. He happened to say something to me and I happened to get on. And, and then once I got that opportunity, I didn't let it go. You know, I, I wasn't going to be a manager who just came to games. I started showing up in the office started doing stuff there and it just kind of took off from there. Um, and yeah, you know, yeah, that was your guys freshman year. So that, that summer was kind of when you guys were walking around going to classes and not being able to help out at those things. Like that was the first time I had been around. Um, like I said, worked a couple other camps that summer and then um, really got started. And by the time the season had started, yeah, me and Tommy, Tommy had been there for a couple of years before already. Um, but I had kind of moved up the ranks pretty quick just from being around and, and wanting to be involved. Um, you know, and then as anything goes, man, the season starts, you get into it, you get into practices and, um, you just kind of, you just kind of go, especially at that college level. Um, you know, as far as how it helps me now, um, obviously the things I learned were invaluable from a basketball standpoint, but honestly, the biggest thing I learned from a basketball standpoint was there was no magic play. There was no NCAA practice. There was no, well, these are college plays or these are college drills it was shooting drills. It was footwork drills. It was those kind of things, but the attention to detail, you know, I'll never forget. Uh, I won't say yelling because Mac never yelled, but Mac having some choice words with Oxalis Santos, another guy from your grade and, and about how hard you have to play and the things you have to do. And, and, and it was about a footwork drill. It was about it just keeping a foot in front, you know, and, and then the year later, he has the next conversation with Eric Coleman about it. And he hasn't, and, and it's just those little tiny things. And I, and I think that, um, we get lost in it a lot. You know, you're watching film, you're watching your team, you're watching opponents. You're, you're, you're learning this stuff now, especially with Twitter, YouTube, all those things are going on. And I have to slow down every now and then and be like, all right, well, we're not passing it very well. So we need to go do a passing drill and we need to pass it, you know, and just little things like that. And I, and I think that's one of the biggest things I learned basketball wise from Mac and from you and I was 
of walking into what I thought was going to be this crazy world of, you know, magical plays and magical drills and all this stuff. And it, it's a kid from Ackley and it's a kid from Wapsie and, it, and it's, and they're just playing basketball, but they're doing it at such a level because of that attention to detail and the work that they put in. Yeah. I mean, I think you're exactly right with that is, you know, one of the biggest, um, I guess, transitions to, or excuse me, from high school to college as a player is number one, I always say intensity. And number two is, is always that attention to the details. You know, you're, you know, me playing, I mean, one, a two way basketball, you know, you maybe not have to have to pay as close of attention to detail, but you're playing division one athletes and it, it, it has to be done every single day and every single night. But, um, so, so Jake struck was your cousin. Yep. Yep. I, I never knew that. Uh, Jake, when did he graduate? Oh, one. He graduated. Oh, one. You were a sophomore. Yeah. You were so, a sophomore his senior year. Yeah, they watched, were number one in the state, right? Yep, I actually watched you play as a sophomore because I went to all the games. I was at, I was at actually they played at our place. Yeah, I was actually at Warburg for one year and then went to you and I after that. And mm-hmm. uh, we, yeah, so I went to almost all his games. I drove in a blizzard to Jessup, Iowa. I mean, I I, I watched all those games that year. Um, yeah, yeah. And they had a they 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 had a good team. I think I think they actually came to our place uh, and beat us there. Um, and then, if I recall correctly, they may have lost first round of state tournament that year. Yep, they, um, and, and that's the year we got runner up. Yep, and they lost. They lost the Cascade in the first round. Yeah, um, had a, had an awful shooting night. Couldn't score. Jay, they'd run up and down and press and play 100 miles an hour. And Cascade slowed it way down and didn't turn mm-hmm. the ball over. And yeah, it was it was it was a good game. They made a run late, but yeah, they lost in the first round that year. Interesting. So, yep, did not know that. Good nope. to know. Good to know. Yeah, um, it's, it's crazy because, you know, he was, you know, a unanimous first team All-Stater and I also played basketball. So it's, it's hard not to put those two together. But yeah, he was, he was a slightly, slightly better basketball player than myself. But yeah. So that's all right. That's all right. Um, hey, so uh, you mentioned a couple of things that you learned from, you know, just just being around those guys on the mm-hmm. staff at you and I. But what specifically about about the profession of coaching um, while you're at you and I? Did you learn from Coach Mack, from Coach Jake, Coach Smith, you mentioned too, who is obviously a, a great, um, you know, has had a great career in coaching and very, very knowledgeable around the yep. game. So what was one thing about coaching that you learned from those guys? Um, you know, I, I think the biggest thing outside of, like I said, some of that X's and O's and practice stuff was was how important those relationships are and building those relationships with players, with coaches, with, you know, um, you know, talking about, you know, Smith and Jake and, and Coach Rudder. I remember that year, he had a little notebook walking around meeting people and he's writing down names and he's writing down, you know, their kids' names and what they're, what they're you know, and, and that stuff was so important to them. And, and I think it was important for a good reason because it's, it's the reason why, you know, not only will your players, but the people will support you and why they'll work hard for you. Um, and so from that, I mean, I've always been a huge relationship guy. You know, I, I, Vita, I can almost vividly remember when Mac went from calling me buddy to calling me brother. And it was like that, like, oh, okay. Like I, I'm in another, I'm in another group now, you know? And like the, those kind of things were so important to him and want to make sure that he knew the people important. And I saw with his players too. Um, like I said, joking before, I mean, Mac could raise his voice, you know, he, he still does every now and then, you know, watching those Creighton games. But he always would was the first guy with an arm around, the first guy to make sure you understood, you know, and and he held you held people to such a high standard, but he also would celebrate with you, you know, he'd run in the locker room, jumping up and down and, and doing those things. And and I think that that relational piece was so big. And um, especially at the high school level, um, and the longer I've been doing it, I, I think that becomes more and more important every year. Cause I think that sometimes 
you got kids on your program that don't have those relationships with other people. You know, I mean, obviously right. the three of us sitting here are doing what we're doing, having the love of basketball that we had because of those relationships we had with coaches, with people growing up. But, but some of these kids don't have that. And so you need to be that kid for them. You know, you need to be that guy for them. You need to do those kind of things. And um, it, it, there's, again, there's a million different things um, that they, that they taught me that they still teach me. You know, I still talk yeah. to Mac. I still talk to those guys, but that relationship, the way that they made me feel and the way that I saw they made the players feel um, is something that I want. And I, and I want to make sure that my players and my um, co assistant coaches, the, the, you know, the, the people in the community, the, the, the custodians helping us afterwards, you know, uh, clean up the gym. Th those are the people that need to know um, that I, that I appreciate and care about what they do because it's a lot easier to run a sprint if you know that I care about you and you know that I, and that I want to build a relationship with you. Um, and, and again, I think more and more we're seeing it every day, more and more that is something that our high school kids desperately need. And um, they need to know that people are willing to do that with them. Right. And I, you know, you're exactly right. When you talk about coach Mac, you know, coach Jake, I graduated college in 2008 and I still get a happy birthday text message from coach McDermott and coach Jake. And, you know, maybe other coaches do that. I don't know. Um, I mean, but I, I played Coach Mack for two years, um, excuse me, three years. Um, and, you know, that's only that many years of his coaching career. And he still sends me, you know, uh, happy birthday text. So relationships are are huge. And I think that, you know, in, in my opinion, you learn from two of the best for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, and it was genuine too. That, that was something that I, um, and, and I, I actually tell my kids that, especially the last two jobs I've had going into you know, a job in Nebraska where the guy that had been there for was a legend had been there for years, you know, and then coming here to Nevada and trying to maybe change some things. And um, it, I, I tell them, you know, like I have kids, oh, you just need to yell at me more. You need to do this and that. And it's like, I, I have to be who I am. When I yell, you're going to know, but I'm going to joke around and I'm going to be sarcastic and, I, and I'm going to care about you and I'm going to get close to crying when I talk about like my kids or talk about a big win. Like that's just who I am. And, and, and I never felt like, you know, Coach Jake was never trying to be Coach Mack. You know, Coach Rudder was, I mean, he was Coach Rudder. Like you said, Coach Smith was Coach Smith every day of his life. Like th those guys were who they were and they worked together and they figured those things out. And um, I, I think that, you know, guys are going to gravitate to and from different coaches that way. One of the huge benefits of college, having that many coaches around, but they're going to know if you're trying to be something you're not. And, and that's something that, uh, that I definitely, you know, uh, like I said, I, I'm going to be who I am. That's all I can be. Um, I'm going to find ways to motivate you and push your buttons, but I'm not going to do it in a fake way. I'm not going to do it just because I think that that's somebody you want me to be. And, and, and again, I think, like you said, I learned from two of the best that way. Jake and Mac were great guys and, and both of them still are. Both of them are great coaches. They have a ton of similarities and they are very different in a lot of ways. And, and I think right. that that's what made both of them good and what made them latch on and, and have the jobs and the careers that they've had so far. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's a mistake that a lot of young coaches make um, is trying to maybe be a coach that they had or a coach that they worked for um, instead of instead of being their own coach and maybe adapting and not necessarily style. Like you said, it's, it's more a personality trait in the way that you kind of go about things. I mean, we're all obviously changing our, our X's and O's and um, our offenses and our defenses and stuff. That stuff's going to change. But who you are deep down and the way that you communicate, I think is the biggest thing. And if you're trying to communicate, like maybe your favorite coach did, but it doesn't fit your model, like, or who you are, the kids are going to read right through that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, and I'm sitting here 
like I said, I got, I was very spoiled at a young age to get to be around those guys. I've still made that mistake, Claude, five or oh, six yeah. times already in my career, you know, like trying to do something. And, and, and I finally got to the point, especially in Nebraska, it was, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're coming off a couple of 21 seasons and there's a lot of things that I like that we're doing, but there's things that I, that I'm doing in practice. There's things that I'm doing from an X's and O standpoint and how I am that I don't like. And finally, I was like, you know what, if this bus is going off the cliff, I'm going to be the one driving it. You know, I, I have to start doing this, you know, and, and really value the things that I value, not value the things that I think that I should value or this town. And it's, it's a little thing, but it's a big thing, you know? And, yep. and yeah, so if there are young coaches listening to this and I, I mean, I would assume that your numbers are going to skyrocket when my name's on your guys' list. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there's, gold. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but you know, if there's a young coach listening to this, like it's not too late to do that. And like you said, it, it's little things. It, it, you're not talking about a system. You're not talking about adapting for your players. Like, you know, or, or good drills or good things that your coach did. All those things are good and what you should be trying to do as a coach. But you got to do it through your lens. You got to do it through who you are because otherwise at some point, the kids are going to see through that and it's going to become an issue. And, and also, or you're going to be sitting in your basement one night having a, one too many adult pops going, what am I doing? You know, like I, I should probably be doing something a little different here. And so you want to be the one that's doing that. You want to cultivate it from from who you are as a person and then move on and, and have that become more of who you are as a coach. And you're going to be in a lot better shape that way. Yeah, no, couldn't, couldn't agree with you more on that. And uh, like you said, it'll save you a lot of, a lot of gray hairs too, sitting there trying to bang your head against the wall and figure out, uh, you know, why, why it doesn't, the winds still don't even feel that good um, yeah. if you're not doing it the way that you want to. So, all right. So once you uh, get done at UNI, then what, what's the next step? Um, you've said you said since you were four, you wanted to be a coach. So yeah. you get done at UNI. Um, now what, where do you go? What's, what's the first opportunity that you get after college? Yeah, you know, so I mean, yeah, so I'm at you and I, I'm, I'm, you know, getting on my master's, you know, and then, and then Matt takes the Iowa State job, you know, as Vete alluded to, he had three years with him and then, you know, then, then obviously moves on. So, um, you know, he, he goes to Iowa State at that point, I only have about a, a maybe even a, a year, a little less than what I'm in my master's. I'm at you and I, so it's, it's, it's kind of decision time. It's like, well, I'm not really going to follow, I'm not really going to do this. Um, you know, had, had a couple conversations with Coach Jake about maybe trying to stay on, but, um, you know, they were obviously restructuring some things. He was trying to keep Chris Foster on staff and, you know, maybe promote PJ Hogan up a little bit. And so where I was going to fit into that was going to be a little bit uh, a dicey, I guess. Um, so, you know, yeah, you look at those different things. And um, I was lucky enough to have an opportunity that year, actually, the 05-06 season. Um, I helped out with some high school football that fall um, and, and kind of liked that high school and liked that, uh, um, you know, being around, I think, that, that level of athlete, seeing more of that progress, seeing more of that growth. Um, so, you know, I made a decision, um, even though I had my master's was finishing up in sports psychology, it's like, you know what, if I want to do this high school thing, I need to go back and I need to get some undergrad, you know, uh, credits and, and get my teaching certificate. Um, so while doing that, I was able to stay at NU high, um, or I went back, I should not stay at, cause I was done there for three years, but went back to NU high, um, ended up getting the girls basketball job there. Um, ended up still coaching football, helping out with that, um, uh, offensive coordinator, um, for football, end up coaching boys track one year. Well, then they needed a girls track coach. Well, then I did both of them for a year. Um, ended up coaching softball there for a while. So, and all during that time, I'm taking every 20 some year old's dream of basically just taking PE classes and a couple uh, education classes. Um, so I'm, you know, so I'm, I'm waking up in the morning, I'm, I'm going to golf and volleyball and self-defense 
and then I'm going and I'm coaching track, you know, and then so I uh, did that for a couple of years. Um, uh, finally got done at UNI there after nine years um, with an undergrad, a master's, and then another undergrad. Um, and uh, right at that time, my um, girlfriend at the time, soon to be fiance, and then obviously now my wife, um, was down at Cornell. She was an athletic trainer at Cornell in Iowa uh, College. And some things shook around. Some There was going to be some, some funding cut. Different things happened. And she ends up taking a job in Omaha. So off we go. So I um, ended up leaving NU behind, ended up doing that. Uh, moved to Omaha. Um, obviously, just moving in there, didn't have a teaching position or anything. Um, so now I'm down in Omaha, Nebraska. I've been to school for nine years. I'm an unemployed PE teacher. Mom and dad are really excited about all of those things happening <laughs> in that order. Um, but uh, able to substitute teach and do some things. And then um, luckily enough, uh, found a coaching gig and started coaching at Millard South. Um, it was a girl's job there. Um, ended up being a freshman coach for a year and then a girl's assistant, uh, the JV coach for two years. Um, and, and that's kind of how it got us all the way down there into Nebraska. So, you know, go from you and I, um, you know, the, the division one men's basketball level, high school girls coach for three years and ended up being a, a high school assistant girls coach for three years. Um, and then, like I said, my wife kind of moved us down there. And then I moved us farther into Nebraska um, and gets us down to Beatrice. Uh, a good friend of mine in Miller South, he's now the athletic director there. He's the assistant AD at the time. He was an AD at Sergeant Bluff Lutton in Iowa for a while. Steve Throne, great guy. Um, he had a connection with someone in Beatrice. They had tried to hire after Coach Weeks left. They hired a guy. He took the job for a week and left. And it was one of those tough jobs. It was one of those, it's, it's one of the biggest names in high school basketball down there in Nebraska. Weeks has been doing it forever. He's now back coaching. And again, he went to Doan um, and is now back coaching again in high schools, won another couple state titles at Auburn. Uh, the guy can just flat out coach high school basketball. And I think there are some people a little weary of filling the shoes. And Steve Throne called me and said, hey, this is going to sound crazy, but there, there's a job you need to go apply for in Beatrice. Same thing to Beatrice said, hey, this is going to sound crazy, but I think you need to interview this JV girls basketball coach from Omaha. Uh, you know, and, and one of those things, kind of a, you know, kind of a who you know type situation, but uh, end up getting back into the boys' side of things, end up getting that job. Um, and have six really good years down there in Beatrice. Um, you know, a couple 21 seasons, get a state runner up and a, and a, a state semifinalist uh, running there. One conference, they, we had a regular season and tournament, you know, end up winning. I think five regular season titles and like four or five conference titles. And, um, you know, ended up having a really good run. Um, but then, like I said, kind of what we talked about earlier, um, it, it was a great, it was a great school. Uh, uh, my administration was really good. You know, I love the guys I was coaching with, love the kids, but um, there, there were some challenges in the town. There were some challenges following a guy like that um, who had had so much success and trying to do things a little different and just being a little different. Um, but more importantly, there's challenges with being far away from grandmas and grandpas, you know, and, and mom and dad had moved down to Omaha um, while we were down there, actually. So they were a little closer, which was nice. But uh, we were able to flip around instead of being two hours away from them one way, we're two hours away from them the other way here in Nevada and got a lot closer to uh, my wife's parents. Um, so kind of uh, everything kind of worked out a little crazy, you know, getting down there and, and getting back to here um, and actually goes full circle with, like you said, my cousin Jake and um, NU High, the principal here who actually hired me back is Cody Asmus, who I've known since middle school. He grew up across the street from my cousin Jake. He was an NU High kid. He actually is a long snapper in Iowa, uh, played football in Iowa, and then ends up being the principal here. And um, we had always kind of been in contact, and they had a PE and basketball job open up. He knew that we were looking to maybe get back this way. And 
um, that's how that's how I become a cub. But um, like I said, I know I just zipped through a bunch of different jobs there, but that, that was kind of that that path. Like I said, it all kind of happened pretty quickly, getting us one through the next. But no, that's uh, that's great. I got a few, few things to unpack, and I think first uh, first and foremost, your ability to um, live off little to no money for nine years is pretty impressive. Yeah, it really was, especially considering that any of the money I did get usually went to the OP or Peppers. So not only was I not making a lot of money, the where where it was going was not probably used the best. Um, yeah, it was it was one of the benefits one of the benefits of the UNI basketball thing. Yeah, I got a lot of meals. You know, I ate a lot of some of the best Golden Corrals and where some other places be Old Country Buffet, Cosmith Lovell. Old Country Buffet. Yeah, yeah, we ate a lot of those places. So lots yeah. lots of Subway on the plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you try to eat, you eat an old country buffet before a Saturday night game, and you hope you eat enough to get you back to Monday, and you just kind of go from there. But yeah, it was uh, it was difficult. That was another thing that some of the credit card bills and the the IOUs to mom and dad they probably didn't like those as much either when I got out. But yeah, that uh, that's pretty impressive. But you gotta, I mean, two things obviously. Yeah, take advantage when you can, and uh, advice for anybody out there on that path: do it while you're young. Uh, do it before the responsibility set in, because. Uh, uh, once you start throwing some kids in the mix, it's a, that's a that's a hard no go on that. So, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so then one of the other things too that I gotta ask, and I always ask whenever we have coaches who have who've been on 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 both sides, um, biggest difference between coaching girls and coaching boys. Um, you know, I mean, the biggest difference I've seen um, is kind of twofold. One, I always felt like girls appreciated maybe my work a little more. Like they, they were always really, you know, like the, the time you put in, oh, wow, like that was a good scouting report. Coach, thanks for that. Like, you know, a little bit like that always seemed, uh, uh, you know, to, to do a little bit. And a lot of times with the girls I had, like every day was a new day. Um, they as far as the team went. So from a team standpoint, we could get beat by 35 the night before that next day of practice, man, they might be excited about something. They're going to come in ready to go. They're gonna come in ready to learn some things. And, and I think that Again, from a team's fan point on the guy's side, that wasn't always the case. You know, you, you get your you get your tail whipped a little bit. It's hard to come back from that the next couple of days. On the on the reverse of that is I think individually, it's almost the other way. Individually, a guy could have a rough night, and I feel like I could talk him through that a little easier, get him back in, you know, hey man, we still gotta win, or we did this or that, like if you did this well, like we're, we're gonna get it turned around. Where there'd be times where a couple of girls I coach would bring up something that I said back in November. Well, you said when we did that, you don't want me to. And so it was always a really weird dynamic. I felt like as a group, some of my guys took longer to rebound for some things than the girls did. But as individuals, the girls took longer to rebound than some of the guys did. So, you know, there's little differences here and there with that. Um, I obviously also went, you know, from a lot of extremes. I went from Division One men's to a to a 1a girls program that had not had a lot of success then i go to uh you know a class a in nebraska but our version of 4a or 5a you know miller south has 2000 some kids in the school you know so go then go to a huge program then i'm back to a class b in nebraska which is like a 3a school boys side you know and so it was it, i, I kind of saw a lot of extremes there so clearly there were differences there that were probably more related to just the level and the size of the school i was at but like I said, those have always been my two biggest ones. When I, I feel like there's maybe some more appreciation and, and those girls would bounce back as a team, but there were some individual things you had to watch a little bit and make sure that that you were you're keeping all your uh, what do you say your p's and q's dotting all your whatever the hell that saying is like just yeah. making sure that you got all that in the role because you, you can say some things that can really get um, that 
sometimes on the girls level get you in trouble or or get their head spinning on some things that you don't want them to oh absolutely and i i always said too from on the girls side like this week like the week of break or christmas break was my absolute favorite week of practice because we always had morning practice um and when you can get those girls to just basically wake up and come to practice and not have to deal with the daily school um their clarity when they come into practice is completely different and so i loved christmas week because it's like man this is our best week of practice because like you said they just they carry things with them a little bit longer than than the boys will but i I would 100 agree the buy-in is so much higher like they'll they'll run through a wall for you once they know that you care and and that's fun too and so it's it you learn a lot like you said and being i think being at different levels too i mean you mentioned it kind of seeing the college game and knowing that it's really not all that different from jv basketball it's just yep. kind of how you do things and the repetition and um you know it's just little nuances that you learn throughout it um you know having the opportunity to coach at a ton of different levels too i feel like that's just one of my strengths as well is because you see people who maybe only coach you know, varsity or only junior high or whatever it is. And it's like, it's hard to understand that the, seeing the different styles of the game and that it's really not that different. It's just a matter of maybe a one tweak here, one tweak there. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I, I would even, I would even extend that to all the other sports and things I've coached that there was things that I learned in third and fourth grade, little league rec baseball in Algona that I was coaching, you know, that, that I can apply to our team the same way that I can getting ready to play Georgetown in an NCAA tournament game. I mean, it, they're the, the things that you learn and you go through as coaching, it, it's the, it's the best advice I give to young coaches. Um, whenever they ask me, like, well, what would you want to be a coach? Right? That's, my advice is always to coach. They're like, well, yeah, I want to do that. And it's like, no, like just coach. Just coach. They, yeah. they need a sixth grade little league coach. Great. Go do it. This team, they, well, I don't, I don't know anything about cross country. Maybe either does the cross country coach. If right. they need this cross country coach, go do it. Like that's it. to me, coaching and being around kids and doing those things is so important for the, what you just said, learning things, finding out different things, being able to relate back to your kids. You might learn those lessons in a completely different arena than you thought you were going to. And, and um, yeah, so that's, I've been very blessed. I've coached a million things at a million different levels, you know, from second grade through college. And, and I, I can't tell you how valuable that experience was. So now that you bring that up, you're, you're my little league baseball coach, right? I, I, I was trying to think of that actually before we were getting on. I can't remember if you were a sixth grader the first year I did it with Shayla. So Shayla. I did it with Shayla because Shayla, I know you had. Yep. I did Shayla the last two years. So yeah. I was a junior in high school. So you would have been, was, I think I would have maybe just missed you. Uh, I feel like I feel like you were, or, or maybe yeah. maybe I was just hanging out at the Diamonds all the time or something. Or, too. You know, the year before I helped Garrigan in their fifth and sixth grade when I was a sophomore. So that we might've played against you then. I could like, I'm trying to think of who I had. So like, I had like, I had like Vitsum and Michael yeah. Henley. Those are those sixth graders. Where, are they in your grade or are they your grade ahead of you? They're, they're below me. So they're two. So Vitz is two below me. So I had Vitz yeah. was a sixth grader. So I would have just missed you. So you would have had Shayla when she was with whoever else she was doing it with without, it wasn't with me and with okay. me. God, but like I said, I must have hung out of the diamonds because that as soon as you started yeah. saying that, I'm like, man, I feel like I feel like I had that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I'm sure you were around the diamonds. I mean, where's yeah. the place to be, V? There's a lot of there's a place to be in the, in the summers in Algona, man. Yeah, I was gonna say that's that's where it was I've at. heard. But um okay, before we change subject too, I I so I need to know. So what was it that you said in the interview to go from the JV girls coach to the head head boys coach at one of the most prestigious programs in nebraska what'd you say 
you know, I, th I think a couple of things, one of the biggest ones was kind of the, the reverse of your question of what's the, you know, what's the differences between boys and girls. And, you know, they obviously asked the question, well, why, you know, why should a JV girls coach be able to do this? And, and I said, well, for one, it's basketball. It, it's, it's basketball is basketball. I tell the story all the time. I, I'm a WNBA fan and I'm a WNBA fan because of coach McDermott, because I would have to record WNBA playoff games. And I finally asked him, I'm like, Mac, like, Mike, I bring him in the VHS tapes, these WNBA games. And, the, and you know, the WNBA is playing in the summer. We're not even playing. He's like, man, the WNBA runs great stuff. They can't play one-on-one. -on -one. They can't ball screen and ISO. They run great stuff. He goes, oh, he goes almost all of our out-of-bounds plays have come from WNBA games. And so now I do that. And, and I watch and he goes, because they're not above the rim. And no offense to Veet and company, but we weren't playing above the rim a heck of a lot at UNI. You know, we weren't throwing a lot of backpick lobs to people. I mean, when we did, we throw him to Foster, who was five foot eight. Right. But like, so it it it, would, it made me think, you know, oh yeah. So I actually bring things like that up, and I remember talking about that in the interview. I was like, because it, it's a girl or a guy, it's still basketball. And I go honestly, the the things I was learning at Miller South, a bigger school than Beatrice, like like you said, it was at that Class A level, and this is a Class B job. And so learning how to navigate Nebraska from a Class A standpoint to Class B. Yeah, one was girls, one was boys, but there's a lot of things that you can learn from that. And um, and then obviously the, the you and I part didn't hurt, you know, like the last time I had coached boys was at division one level. Um, you know, McDermott called our principal Jason Suter, who I love, um, you know, and talked to him. I, I'm sure Mac had enough to say that probably helped me a little bit that way. But um, and this is gonna be surprising to you and your listeners 40 some minutes in. I can talk a little bit. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, if you give me enough rope, I'm going to be able to get there. So um, that probably helped me at all, too, that my ability to kind of talk a little bit. So that's the that's the best part about a podcast, T-Struck, because we are having you on to talk. That's why you're here. Absolutely. So we're all yeah. we're all we're all good here. Yeah, I'm, I'm much better with the podcast than like the newspaper. I always feel like they walk away and it's like, man, I had a lot more. I used to tell you, you're walking away from me already. Uh, that's so. good. Hey, uh, what is the, or what, what was the biggest, um, I guess, transition or, or I guess maybe I mean a difference between um, when you're coaching at Beatrice and now coaching at, at, um, at Nevada? Um, you know, obviously one of the biggest things, um, was just where the programs were at when I walked in, you know, and not to sound like Nevada was this horrible shame, you know, they had been good, you know, they, 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 they had done a lot of things, but that, 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 that year after year tradition, um, you know, it'd be it because the conference they were in, or, you know, just some of the athletes going through the school, it just, it just wasn't the same, you know, and I, I come into Beatrice and, you know, I'll be honest with you in, in the first three years of Beatrice, we got a runner up and lost in the semifinals. And, and I was getting, I had somebody ask me in a grocery store, well, man, do you think you'll win it next year? And it's like, I, I mean, we're averaging 21 win, wins a year. I, I feel like we're doing all right. But like the, the expectation and just like that mindset was different because of where the job was at when I got it, you know? And, and so I, I think that transition was a little different and, and trying to go from, um, it was more of getting the, the kids in Beatrice, more of trying to find a way to make them um, maybe mold and adapt a little bit to things that they had been taught since they were younger, like, they, they were very much a community and, and we've probably seen that all three of us in Iowa to a certain degree of like, well, this is how we play. And this is how you play winning basketball and that's it. And we all know that basketball can be played a lot of different ways. And so it, it was more taking things I knew and kind of tweaking it or trying to make it fit our personnel a little better um, than maybe some of the things that, that they were thinking of doing where here it was, 
kind of the same but different they they very much had a system they very much had some things they like to do and and again me being like okay well I know that we can be more successful this way after seeing us play and this is how we're going to do that so that transition of just um trying to get kids to maybe give up some things that they thought in the past like it wasn't Beatrice to, to maybe see things a little differently where here was teaching them how to see things a little differently and teaching them some things um you know was a little bit different and and also, honestly, it was just being back for me, being back in Iowa, being back with how the game's played, that we're getting a shot clock in Iowa, and I think that's a great thing. I would have been a proponent for a shot clock in Nebraska. Um, but in Nebraska, that there's games in the 30s and 40s. There's games it, – it is, it is played completely different. Teams pack things in. Teams take their time. Teams wait for the perfect shot. Um, and that was a transition for me just that first year, being like, oh, yeah, we shoot it here. Like if somebody's open, it's going up. And that was not the case in Nebraska at times. So uh, just getting back to remembering like, oh yeah, this is how we do this in Iowa. Uh, that was that was probably one of my biggest transitions as well. There. Well, it sounds like you're in a better situation than if you're if you're shooting the ball a little more. Yeah. Back in Nevada. So so congrats on that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I my my first year, man, it was it was hard. Like the year we got runner up, it's the best defensive team I've ever coached. And and, and no disrespect to anyone I'm going to coach in the future. It's probably, it might be one of the best defensive teams I'll ever coach. Just the, the way they were man to man defense. We, we gave up 39 points a game, but we only scored like 47 or 48. Cause it just, and I was like, guys, we can score more. We had games. We beat somebody you know, 70 to, but man, they passed it up. No, well, I thought we could get a post touch. So we reversed it again to see if I could get it back and get it to him again. It's like, the amount of shots I would get playing on this high school team. I would average average 15 shots, 20 shots a game playing with those guys. But again, man, we were state runner up. I mean, they they knew what they were doing. Um, They they understood, you know, what to do. And it it just, yeah, it was, it was way different. Then you come here to Iowa and it's, man, even if you're not any good, if it's open, it's going up. So it's been been much, much different pace of play. Yeah. Yeah. We like that. We like that. Um, Hey, uh, one of the most, I, I feel like one of the most interesting questions we ask on this podcast is how do you keep and make practices competitive as a coach? Um, you know, I, I think that's a great question. I think it's something that, that everyone has to think of, you know, when you're looking at your practice plans, it's something that you've got to make sure that you have in there. And um, to me, I think one of the biggest things is uh, I'm a big believer, obviously in drills and, and teaching the game, but I try to find that sweet spot of that combination between the drills and just playing five on five, you know, I'm like, we do a we do a demon rebounding uh, that I got from Joe Smines, another UNI name there. You know that his parents are. You know we do we do some we, you know, and it's a four on four drill, and it's whoever gets the rebound shoots at the same basket, so everyone's playing at the same rim, and like you're, you're keeping points. So like there's some point keeping, there's some of those things involved, but it's a four on four drill. It's a rebounding specific drill, you know, and um, we've even given points for offensive rebounds in that drill and things like that. So it's it's finding that balance um, to me. I think you can get, I can go find a million one-on-one or two-on-two drills, you know, especially now with all the, you know, the individual workout stuff that goes on, you know, I can find a million drills around a cone in a chair and those are great and have a place. I can also say, well, I'm going to let my kids play for two hours and let them learn that way. And to me, I feel like that answer's in the middle um, is finding something in specific thing. We do a Georgetown closeouts drill, something I stole from Mac, who, if you're curious, he stole it from Georgetown. Like there's a, you know, and it's, everything starts with a closeout, but it ends in three on three. So it's a very specific one defensive skill I want you to work on, but it ends in playing. And I think the more that you can do that, the more that you can keep points, purple versus gray, you know, white versus black. I, I think that that helps 
but the kids also have to know that it's more than just, Hey, I want you, I want purple to hate gray today. And you guys are going to try to score more points against them. Like there has to be that basketball skill tie into it. Um, and that's, that's been the formula that I've found the most success with over the years. Um, and it's something I've really leaned into. We do a, you'll remember it, V, we do a Panther transition drill. It's a, we start three on two or two on one, then three on two, four on three, the add two. Jake's old add two transition. We do that a lot and keep score. But again, when I'm talking about it, it's okay. It's four on three. So you got to make them make extra passes and you got to scramble. And you, it, it's fun. It's competitive. It's my team versus your team, but it has enough basketball skill in it that they know they're learning something. And that keeps that intensity level up. And it's not just about, well, I'm going to try to score more points than them today. You think if uh, you think if you rolled the ball out and said uh, make teams and go that these kids today would be able to figure it out? Um, I it's, uh, yes and yes and no. If if the if the right ones were there, yes. Like if the, if the right kids were there, that would do that. But yeah, it's different. Um, I was and it's just a me thing. They always shoot for teams, and I've again wanted to be a coach, and a, like that's just how my mind always worked. I don't think I ever shot. I was like, no, it's U five versus Z five because if you guys have Claude, then they need to have V. And if you have that, then they need a big and, but they're always shooting for teams. And like, well, if we have two centers basically in our entire program and they'll end up on the same team. And I'm like, well, guys, that, why they can't be on the, like move that kid over there. And you have three point guards on that team. What are you doing? Like how, how we shot for it. I, so I always give them a hard time, like pick teams and go, man, just, just, just be like a two five versus us five. But yeah, they're, they're better at it. But um, now I will say this group, if I just rolled out the ball and had them go, they, they might not get the team figured out right or any of that, but I got a couple kids that are competitive and they love beating each other, like almost to a fault sometimes. So yeah, they would figure it out because they'd want, if, if the two right kids were on the different teams, it would be a bloodbath. They'd make sure that it was a competitive game that way. So, but yeah, it's definitely different than the ball out at Central Park, Claude, and just going and playing. It, it's, it's, it's a little different world now. Well, that also explains why I always had to guard OJ on in the Sunday uh, Garrigan scrimmages too, too when they open up the gym. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We know because you know it's like, oh, yeah, you got to be on that other team. You guys both can't be on the same team. It was all, always OJ and Beaver were always on the opposite team as me. It's like I was the Algona kid coming in there or something. <laughs> you guys are trying to piss me off. Well, yeah. I know what OJ and Beaver always had to be on the same team because that, <laughs> like, that's the only time Beaver knew he could shoot if OJ threw it to him. So then that, if they were on the same team, that neither one would know, Beaver wouldn't, wouldn't know when he could shoot. So. Oh, man. Good times right there. That's for sure. So, um, well, hey, got to ask you. So obviously you guys um, kind of get got internet famous for the wrong reasons yeah. um, uh, here earlier this year. And so um, anybody, you know, obviously they're going to know when it says struck gold in the, in the title, but uh, obviously also probably – connecting the dots with Nevada. So walk us through a little bit about that night down in Carlisle. Everyone's seen the video. Um, it sounds like, I mean, you can confirm, you know, your guys doing, um, doing pretty well and it's kind of bounced back. Uh, you guys have bounced back as a team after a tough week following that, but walk us through a little bit about that just disaster that night. Yeah. You know, uh, kind of a crazy deal. Um, obviously, um, you know, outside of a little bit of, you know, jabbing here and there, talking here and there from different people on the team, you know, a, a kind of a quiet night down in Carlisle. Um, you know, uh, our kids played pretty well for the first night out. You know, we're, we, we have a 20, 30 some point lead, um, you know, and you go to shake hands. And that itself was just a little weird because, you know, with COVID, we didn't do that. And it's like, oh, yeah, we got to go shake their hands. Might like, go shake their hands. And you're at the end of the line and then the line stops and you see a commotion and, you know, you're sitting there in the back kind of trying to figure out what's going on. And 
um yeah and then unfortunately you see one of your kids kind of getting dragged out of the middle and then you don't really know what happened um it, i will say you know obviously um the that you know the, the player at carlisle did what he did um that there was nothing malicious going on there was nothing you know crazy going on um really of anything during the game you know we've even had some people that were at that game kind of say that you know that it didn't seem like it was that kind of deal um you know unfortunately i think it was one kid made it made a really bad choice you know and um uh, you know for a kid to to kind of wait that long and uh, have something happen after a game like that in a handshake line you know not a i push you you push me back type situation um you know clearly something was going on there with that individual and um while I know that there's been some obviously consequences for that, some pretty big ones, you know, I also hope that it's a kid that can get some help, you know, and, uh, and, and maybe figure out why something like that did happen um, as far as on his end. Um, but, you know, on our end, obviously we're, we're trying to move forward from it. Um, like you said, you know, we, we bounce back, you know, our, our players back from it. Um, our, our kids are all back from it, but um, anytime anyone's asked me about it, the number one thing that I've said was outside of the one kid from Carlisle who did that, Every person from that moment on, both teams, the players, the coaches, the fans, the administration, their call, everyone did everything right. You have a kid hit and get and get down. Our kid pulls the kid off but doesn't take a swing. Their kid pulls our other kid off, doesn't push him or take a swing. We get that one kid moved separated. They get him and their team to the locker room. Our team goes to the locker room. Their athletic trainer comes. Their admin comes. Our kids are fine. We get them off. They get the, the gym cleared. It, it, it's really outstanding that that happened. That from that moment on, the unfortunate thing happened. But from that moment on, you know, like I said, people did what they were supposed to do. The kids reacted the way they were supposed to. Um, I'm not going to lie to you guys. That could have gotten ugly really quick. Um, you know that is, I mean, in a handshake line, you're all in there. You're tight. Your coaches are in the back. Uh, it could have it spiraled really fast. But I'm proud of our guys for what they did. And honestly, I'm proud of the Carlisle kids for the way that they handled it too, you know, and not jumping and not thinking, oh, well, he did that. Maybe something happened. You know, it, it, everyone kind of uh, um, did what they were supposed to do. And I think that also kind of says a little bit to maybe what was also, also kind of going on that night. It, it wasn't one of those highly contested, um, highly contentious nights. Um, you know, and so like I said, it, it was hard. And it was one of those things where our kids kind of knew it was a big deal. You know, then it's, it's, got, a, it's got a couple thousand, you know, 100,000 views. Then Rex Chapman shares it on Twitter, and now it's got a couple million views. Then it's on TikTok, and uh, my 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 age is starting to show because I was like, okay, great, it's on TikTok. I know that's the thing where you guys do the dumb dances in my class when you're supposed to be lifting. And they're like, yeah, it's like at 25 million views, Coach Struck. And I was like, that sounds like a made-up number. That that's can't a lot. Be real. Yeah. You know, and so, like, it, it did that, you know, um, um, how our guys handled it. I mean, it, it took a lot. We worked through some things to, to get them through that. Obviously, not only the player, but the team itself. Um, and I'm very fortunate and very lucky. We've been working um, with a with a great teacher in our school, Mrs. Frieders. We do a lot of mindfulness and the, and the mindful approach to the game um, and, and do a lot with, you know, individual mindfulness as a team, our, our mental approach, our mental strength, you know, and, and spending a lot of time on that. And it was nice to have that. It was nice to have that tool for them at that moment, you know, and to be able to talk through that and, you know, how it felt in the moment, how we're feeling now, like validating those feelings and then, okay, how do we use this? How do we go through those kind of things? And um, yeah, it was just, it, it was, it was a surreal, it was a surreal week. I, I remember making a comment to um, Mr. Ass or Dr. Asmus, like I said, and uh, um, our other two administrators, my principal and my athletic director about, well, you know, God, you know, that happened. And then we sent out a thing and now it's like, you know, like that was a couple of days ago and they're like, Tyler, Tyler, that was yesterday. 
And I was like, what was yesterday? They're like, everything you just described, us sending out a press release and this, like that was yesterday. And I was like, that can't be right. Like, I mean, those, those, that week seemed to be two, three, four weeks long. Um, and, and like I said, I, it, it was, it, it was crazy. There's obviously some things um, with that individual that, that, that happened or are going to maybe keep happening, but um, very thankful for our kids approach, very thankful for the people at Carlisle and the way they handled it and, and how our administration, our communities handled it and the, the support that they've given us and our kids. And um, yeah, we're hoping that it's obviously, like you said, people are always going to connect the dots back to that. Um, but we're hoping that it's something that um, was a part of our season and doesn't define it. And, and that's why we keep trying to move forward and do those things to, to make sure that it stays that way. Yeah. And obviously knowing nothing about the situation and I haven't, you know, didn't talk with you or have any, just mm -hmm. seeing the video, just the clip myself, uh, you know, we talked a little off air, like it just seemed like it came completely out of right field. Like nobody was ready for it. Your guy wasn't ready for it. Like you mentioned, both teams, kind of reacting in the moment it wasn't like a, a full-on like there's been a lot of tension building um you could just tell that just from that clip and you know if you've seen enough of those games to kind of know what that looks like it just didn't feel like it which which makes it all that much more kind of eerie and uncomfortable yep. too that something like that could happen on on the court and you know in the in the in the lines of this game that we love the most but uh uh, it's good to hear that, uh, you know, you guys have bounced back and that, you know, things were handled the right way, um, you know, and from all accounts and everything that we've seen. And I think that most of the media and public has heard too, it, it sounds like things were handled the right way. And so, so good to hear, um, obviously okay. from you and for your guys and, you know, continued success here, uh, you know, as you guys move forward, um, sitting at six and two here at the break and, uh, you know, dropped it, like you said, dropped two actually that week following that. And so, uh, hopefully good things to come. And like you said, it doesn't define, don't define what you guys end up with this season. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I, th this group's handled it, handled it really well, handled the right way. And, um, like you said, this break has been nice too, you know, kind of to get away, kind of, kind of get a fresh break from it. Um, and then, you know, getting back to work and, and getting to work on, and talk about those basketball things and those life lesson things and getting, getting, getting to do the things that we're supposed to be doing here. And um, yeah, so that's been good. And it's been, it's been fun to get back on the court with them this week. And um, yeah, looking forward to January. And um, it always seems like, you know, the beginning of the year goes pretty fast. Um, and then you, January can kind of feel like a good, but I mean, yeah, we're already, we're talking 2022, we're talking games next week, you know, a, a week from tonight. Um, I'll probably be back down here in my basement at this point, but we have a game already, you know, we have a home game next week from tonight. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy that, yeah, that second half of the season is getting winding up and, uh, but yeah, we're excited to, we're excited to go and I'm excited to, to see where this team can actually end up uh, by the end of the year. Cause I think it's a special group that's, uh, starting to understand what it takes, uh, to, to get to that point. We obviously wish you the best coach and, uh, you know, look forward to, um, uh, Obviously, in the new year, 2022, you know, following along and, and hoping some more victories come your way. But uh, we like to end our episodes with a little section we call Rapid Fire. Um, Brian's going to ask you a couple questions. Um, got some got some tough ones listed here, I think. Okay. So, uh, right. so get ready for that um, and just let us know what comes to your head first. Okay. All right. First one we always start with. Uh, favorite visiting gym or arena um, you've had an opportunity to coach in? Uh, coaching or playing let's go both give us one of okay. these so so that's that's a, that's a good question so playing would always be humble um okay. i it's not even that special but god i just played good there i don't know why <laughs> i i shot it well there i made like i made seven threes my freshman year there in a game like i just i i love that i loved playing in that gym 
Um, so that would be as a player. Um, and as, as a coach, as a, as a high school coach, um, down in Brassway, it's actually near Iowa, the South Sioux city, um, has actually a sunken in like arena type gym. Um, and so playing at South Sioux was really cool. Uh, that was, that was a fun place to play to coach and they had some good teams when we were there. Um, and then obviously there's a million college arenas that, I mean, still don't understand how I got to like coach at LSU and some of those different places, but yeah, those are my, my high school and, and, uh, and coaching one. I was wondering if Jeff Jim was going to come out when you were starting to talk play, but <laughs> no, <laughs> that Jeff Jim was a classic. It's come up several times on the podcast. That but, is a classic. That um, is- so who's your favorite sports team growing up? Um, you know, grew up, grew up, uh, as my, my friend said, it was more of a birth defect. I grew up as a Yankee fan. Um, my dad was a Yankee fan. My grandpa was a Yankee fan. So, so obviously baseball wise, it was always the Yankees. Um, obviously followed a lot of Iowa Hawkeye football, um, which changed a little bit. Uh, the Iowa Hawkeye basketball part changed a lot when I went to UNI and started going there, that, that, that part dropped off a little bit more for me. Um, but yeah, as far as like professional teams, uh, it was always the Yankees. And then I was always a Laker fan because of magic, but we grew up with Jordan. So you always watch the bulls too. So that, I mean, you can be a Lakers fan, but you're still always a bulls fan. If you grew up in our time frame because you were going to watch MJ play, but, um, yeah, so those are always those are the big ones. No, yeah, that's uh, that's great. Um, so game day superstition. Do you have anything that you have to do on game day? Um, you know, I I don't really have a lot, but the one, and it's an all the time thing, and it stems back from the UNI days. Whenever I get I get a Gatorade or a Powerade or wherever where we go, and I take the label off of it, and it actually started in the NCAA tournament. As V may may or may not know, a lot of times I would have to literally go up into the concession stands and buy back of water because he wanted a full, fresh, cold bottle of water. And in the NCAA tournament, you can't have um, any labels. Like, it's all – everything's, you know, sponsored. So I got him this random bottle of water and had to rip the thing off. Then that summer doing the Gatorade bottles, if you keep them in ice and a cooler, you guys know when you go to gravel and the water leaks out. So we'd rip the labels off there when we'd give them to the kids at team camp, and I've done it ever since. I've yet to have a bottle of water during a game. It's always clear. So it's a very weird and specific one, and it's literally the only one I have. Nothing else. I'm not superstitious about anything else. But I cannot drink a Gatorade or a or a bottle of Dasani water with the label still on it during a game. Just can't happen. That's good. No, that's a good yes, one. Thank you, thank you, Coach Mack. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> one of many from Coach Mack. Um, <laughs> you might have you might have already answered this, Diane. So who's the greatest of all time? The greatest of all time. Like, are we talking other than Jordan? Like, is there like going to be second, or how are we doing this? I don't, I don't feel like you have to ask that. Um, you know, I will say, I will say, LeBron has made a run, and LeBron's career is probably going to have. LeBron's career is probably going to stack against Jordan's and, and look like it's tipping it that way. But I, I saw it, and I saw what Jordan did when he played, and the way he scored, and the way he defended, and, and it's just, it, it's, it's, it's Jordan, and it's going to be Jordan for me. So. <laughs> I saw, I saw some just the other day, like maybe just yesterday, I saw someone explain it as LeBron might be the best player that we've ever seen. Um, but Jordan's still the greatest just because of yeah. what the impact he had, the, the shorter window, the, what he did. I mean, all that, like, and so I'm like, ah, that's a, that's a good way to think of it. Cause yeah, I mean, what yeah. LeBron, the way he can play all five positions and what he's done is obviously special too. Absolutely. And, and the amount and the longevity. And I mean, he's still going and he's still going to keep going. It's crazy. But what Jordan did for some of those bad boy Piston teams and the Lakers and the Celtics and that, and just in the, the Phoenix Suns as good as they were and 
young Shaq and Pat, I mean, you can go on and on. And it wasn't, it wasn't, he wasn't good against them. He just demolished and destroyed them. And yeah. Like I said, I saw it. It's going to be Jordan and, and it's going to be Jordan for me. So yeah. you're, you're in that era. So I figured, but no. um, <laughs> all right. So we talk a lot about pizza on this podcast too. Um, this might be another layup, but this, this comes with a backstory too, because what's, so what's the best pizza in Algona? Premier. Yeah. Without a doubt. Cause you work there, right? I worked there for years. Yes. Yep. You were back there. Were you making the pizzas? Oh yeah. Made the pizzas. Made, well, I started before I was 16, so I couldn't drive. So like I started making the pizzas, then I got too good at it. So then they never let me deliver. So then I was stuck back there in the hundred degrees, in the, the ovens and everything. And guys that didn't know what they were doing, got to drive around town and make tips from people like you. And I had to sit there and make all their pizzas for them. But yeah, so oh yeah, I worked at Premier for years. I went back and worked in college, helped them in the summers. Yeah, it was a great job. So what's the secret? I mean, what are we like, why is it so you good? Know, so I, I obviously there's some nostalgia there. Like I'm, no, I'm, I'm not willing. I mean, I'm not that much of a homer to not admit that, right. but um, it's, it, it's the crust. Um, it's, it's having that dough that's freshly made a little bit in the sauce. Obviously the tender loving care of a pizza craftsman like myself clearly helps. Um, but yeah, I, I, there's not a lot of secret to it. I just, I do. I think a lot of it's in the crust and just how like it's prepared and made on the spot. Um, yeah. And it's actually, I know that this is rapid fire, but I don't obviously do rapid fire things well. Um, the uh, Our football team at Nevada actually had to go play up in Algona. So I got them Premier Pizza. Like they wanted something for after the game. So I'm like, oh, I'll call Mark. I'll get Premier. And and well, the games took forever. The, the first game and the second game were both really, really long. So the pizza had been there for a while. So all the kids come back. They're like, that, it was okay. It wasn't great. And I was like, you had cold pizza an hour because you guys kept freaking playing your football game. So I'm, I'm tempted to just take a field trip and take a bunch of kids up there who ran their mouth a little bit to make sure they understand. But just how yeah, it's, it is. Oh yeah, it's, it's for sure. It's premier pizza. Um, yeah, always premier pizza. Yeah. When it comes to Algona, I mean, that's, that is, that is it. That is for sure. And I, I and I will attest to, I mean, there are different levels of premier pizza too. I yep. mean, there's like getting the, the fresh one, you know, yep. the tea struck made one in the back with the, the, when the crust is the right thickness. And then, Every once in a while, you're going to catch one that's like got a little too doughy, but uh, yeah, you yep. know. And, and or you catch one at the basketball game, and it's like, did they just get here with the pizza? Was yep. is this from the first half? Is this still from the girls' game? Like, when when did this pizza show up? Yeah, there's there's some levels. There's there's a sweet spot, but yeah, if oh yeah, you get the right one. V, we ever get you in there, I'll I'll go back still and make one. I still have oh. the touch. I'll, I'll make sure you get the real deal. If I ever get if I ever get to Algona, it's if I'm there for breakfast, I got to get. I got to go there at lunch, got to go there. Yeah. I mean, I just have to have it at this point because I'm cool. like the only person that I ever talked to that hasn't been there. So <laughs> the, the real question is, what do you think the chances are that they still have that big screen TV sitting up in the front? It's unfortunately, I should, I say, unfortunately, it's clearly fortunately. So Mark has really taken over the sun is taking over yep. and he kind of remodeled a little bit, redecorated. So the TV is gone and oh, I think man. it's completely gone. And again, for you and me, that's an unfortunate thing, but I mean, you couldn't even see it towards the end, but. Oh, you, yeah. I mean, the corner, all corners were curling in on it. I mean, yeah. there was the, yeah, I mean, there was no. <laughs> but Polly was going to keep opening that thing up every day, oh, man. That's. Oh man. Oh, and, then, and then you had the senior pictures from all the employees hanging in the case over I'm there. So I look good in mine. I have a little Hawaiian shirt unbuttoned. It's a good look. Beat. It's, uh, it's a good look. Yeah. That place, I tell you. All right, favorite now, sports now, movie. Now more reason. Now more reason to go there, I guess. <laughs> right. 
Favorite sports uh, movie. Favorite sports movie. Obviously, the basketball guy, Hoosiers, has got to be up there. Um, I have a million other ones. Sports is easily my favorite category of movie. Um, with, you know, Miracle, Remember the Titans, all the great ones. But, yeah, it, it's still, at the end of the day, I actually just watched Coach Carter before I put my girls to bed tonight. But it's still, it's 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 always going to be Hoosiers. It's always going to be Ollie making the free throw and Jimmy making the shot. Uh, it's it's going to be Hoosiers for me. Oh, that's great. All right. Um, so we're talking about eating in Algona, but, you know, Adam and I come up to Nevada for a game. Where do we got to grab a bite to eat uh, before we swing to your guys' game? Uh, by, par, by far the best place to eat in town is Mika Casitas, little Mexican joint on Main Street. Guy, the, the guy that owns it's awesome. It's, it's family run. Um, we get it to go. It was actually during the pandemic. That was one of our, like, when we started, when you could eat out again and, like, go get stuff to go. That was our Friday night. Like, it was, hey, we're – we're, we're getting Mika Sita's and um, the guy's great. I call him like, he's, he reminds me of the most interesting man in the world on those Dos Equis commercials. Oh yeah. He's always like, ah, oh, my friend, my friend, what can I get for you tonight? My friend, he always calls me my friend. I just, I love him. So yeah, you're for sure going to Mika Sita's and, and, and get the cheese dip, get, get any kind of, I've had basically everything on the menu. Um, as you can tell via the zoom, I've, I've, I haven't missed any trips to the Mexican restaurant over the years. So yeah, that's, that's, that's for sure where you got to go. Good. We, we can go for some good Mexican, some chips and salsa. Oh, yeah, for sure. So. All right, two more. We'll get you out of here, Coach. Um, Shooter's Touch uh, has, a, has a lot of meetings when, when you're talking about this podcast and, and what we're trying to do. But uh, uh, on the basketball court, obviously, it has its own meeting. What does it mean to you if uh, you or one of your players has the Shooter's Touch? Um, you know, I, I think the biggest thing, you know, obviously the first thing you think of is like the ball bouncing around the rim or, you know, getting that, getting that friendly home court bounce. But yeah, to me, it's being in that moment. It's being in that zone. It's when that rim looks five times bigger when you're pulling up from the volleyball line. Cause you know, what's going in. Um, you know, that to me, that's when you have that shooter's touch and, um, and seeing kids getting those, obviously I loved it as a player, but as a coach, it's a great feeling watching somebody getting that in your life. Yeah, we can run whatever play we want. We can get him a shot from any part on the court that's going in. Uh, to me, that's the touch. That That's the biggest thing that I think of when you say that. That's great. No, perfect. And all right, last one. We'll get you out of here. A little bit of a loaded question, but what's uh, what's the best thing about being the head coach, head boys coach up there at Nevada? Um, you know, obviously it, it might be the cheesiest answer, but it's the realest one. It's the people. It's the people I'm getting to be around, you know, and it's, you know, it's this morning having, having guys around the gym. I had both my girls there because Lindsay was working tonight or this morning, you know, and them running around and her being like, Oh, the boys, the boys. And, you know, they're getting ready to practice. And my girls are running on the track upstairs. And it, it's just, it's that, you know, my assistant coaches are there. We're talking about how good Santa was to us over the break. And it, it's, it's that, you know, being the head coach here and the people that I've been able to be around the staff at, um, uh, Nevada is outstanding. The, the teachers that I work with, the administration, you know, I go on and on and on, but uh, that, that's what it is to me. That's what's special about this place. And again, it's why we've, we've, we've done everything we can to make a home here. You know, it, it's not a town that I'm working in. It's not a place where I teach and coach. It, it's our home, you know, and it's where our kids are going to school and um, it, it, it's a special place for us. And so by far it's the people. Well, that's a good answer, and that's a good way to be. So, we, Coach, we appreciate it. Um, again, we wish you the best of luck here as you continue to not only move through this season, but uh, continue to build that program up there. Uh, obviously, we've been following along. We'll continue to follow along. Uh, anything we can do to help out, obviously, reach out. We appreciate your time, and uh, uh, thanks for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. And like I said, I, it's still still crazy to me that, that Claude and Veet, these two guys that I know that, like, have found this podcast together and 
Um, it, it's just, it's outstanding. I, like I said, I, I enjoy listening to it. Um, trying to listen, especially when I know the guy or know the person you're interviewing a little bit. Um, and so it's been fun for me to get to hear it and, and, and listen to you guys talk about basketball. So I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate you doing this, obviously for me and for Nevada, but more for the coaches and stuff to listen to it. Uh, uh, it's been awesome uh, to, to be a part of and be a fan from the outside and now feel like I'm a part of the family. And I'm still mad I missed out on the Santa shirt. I won't miss out on another one again. I promise you that. Um, I might even try to draw my own Santa shirt up because I loved it so much. But uh, yeah, I, I'm just now I'm, I'm glad to feel a little more a part of this family. And thank you guys so much for having me on and the opportunity and, and getting to, to talk a little basketball tonight.